Mulaney, Omaha. Live. You like that? You like that? In the entertainment capital of the world. Rogers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Richard Rogers with a walk-off touchdown. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Play action. Has some time. Deep shot for Parker. to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Oh, my goodness, the legend just goes on. The doctor is now in. How you like me now? 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 Hour number two here on this Thursday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. We are live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. We're here today. We're here tomorrow. We are uh, celebrating the end of the year and, of course, uh, the fantastic college bowl season in full effect. Meaningful college bowl games as we hit uh, New Year's Eve coming up tomorrow and then New Year's Day on Saturday. Uh, five bowl games coming up on on, on uh, Saturday. And then, of course, we've got the two most meaningful games tomorrow, Alabama-Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl, Georgia and Michigan in the Orange Bowl. It is the college football national semifinals. Winners will meet uh, next Monday for the college football championship. And then tonight, we've got the Las Vegas Bowl. That's right, right down the street here at Allegiant Stadium. T.C. Martin, Double B, Brian Benowitz in the house. And our number two, the quarterback joins us, Jay Schrader. Jay, what's going on, man? I'm a little confused. It's it's Thursday, right? I know. I, I usually come down on a Friday. You got me all messed up this week. Well, I we thought we were going to go straight to the game, but they changed the game time. Right. Yeah, so now, that, now we just got to go to Blue Ribbon for dinner. But you know there what? You go. I, I finally get to have dinner. It's nice. Yeah. We're going to do it up big time. And so I'm glad that it's actually 730 for that reason, because last time we went to the Pac-12 championship game, it was a 5 o'clock yeah, game. We had to rush to get out of here. Yeah. I mean, by the time we got in, you know, it's like, yeah, it was just too rushy. You were forced to just the popcorn they gave you? That yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and, and, and of course, Double B says, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get some pizza. I'm gonna uh, do the pizza rock." And by the time I, I get to the seat to meet him, that pizza's already gone. gone. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He, he beat me he, inside. He, you know, you lollygag, you dilly dally. You're, you're, you're did, not gonna get your pizza. Uh, did he really expect it to <laughs> yeah. last that long? No, or what? No. I mean, come so on. He got there through midway through the quarter. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> and he sat running. down and he, and he says, "I got Oregon." I go, "Ay, yeah, yeah." Yeah, You know, he goes. It was not a good night. Yeah, he goes to the stadium. He runs for mayor. You know, he's got to see everybody. And shake hands and everything. So, you know, this is true. This yeah, is true. But I'm looking forward to this game tonight more so than anything because number one, I've always liked the Las Vegas Bowl. I know yeah. you too, Jay. And then you know, moving it from uh, Sam Boyd Stadium and now over to Allegiant Stadium, where now we have these great matchups with the Pac-12, the Big Ten this year. Next year will be the Pac-12 and the SEC. And uh, our good friend John Sassenti, the executive director of the Las Vegas Bowl, uh, frequent guest uh, on the show. We had him here a couple weeks ago, and we. we we talked about the whole process. He, you know, how these, uh, you know, how these teams, you know, got here, and they got exactly what they wanted in this game. They got a, uh, a very, you know, as you know better than anybody, being from that part of the country in Wisconsin, how well they travel. And then Arizona State, you've got you know, one of the most popular coaches in Herm yeah. Edwards and a pretty exciting team. So uh, great for the Las Vegas Bowl that uh, they have now moved closer to New Year's Day into Allegiant Stadium, and uh, they're going to have forty-five to 50,000 people there tonight. Should be good. They will have, and I think you, you touched on the three major components. A, the matchups that they have. The Pac-12, the Big Ten, the SEC next year. That's great. Allegiant Stadium, that's the next big move. And then getting the game moved after Christmas, that's a big step because now it is it, it starts to join the other bigger bowl games. Everybody starts to get excited, yeah. and you get those. So uh, hats off to the committee for getting that done and looking forward to tonight. Yeah, looking forward to it. So uh, you got your little red on. Are you supporting Bucky tonight? I got to support Bucky. I was born in Milwaukee. Yeah. So, you know, as, as much as I like Herm Edwards, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think uh, we're going to go with the hometown team and, and go with the Wisconsin Badgers. There tonight. you go. All right, yeah. good stuff. Uh, you got any friends uh, in town uh, from uh, Wisconsin that made the trip? They said, you know. I don't have anybody in town from Wisconsin. You know, I'm a little past the uh, college age right there. <laughs> <you know? laughs> 
Just a little bit. Even though I still su- I, I see stories of posts of you at frat houses. What are you talking about? I mean, old, old State Street there yeah. in Madison. I mean, yeah. it's legendary, man. Yeah, State Street was a little smaller when I was back at Madison. Right, right. You know, uh, back in the day. But, uh, you know, I, I was out in Menominee Falls out there. Yeah. And, you know, we... There was about 1,500 headed dairy cattle across the street. That's what I remember. So here's the big question, Double <laughs> so B. He, come, he comes to UCLA, he hangs right. on Gailey. But there, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, where, that's, where, that's where the boys were there. Having that's a good right. Time. That's where I was yeah. going to go. So how's a guy from Menominee Falls, you know, go ahead and, and, and end up at UCLA? He's very happy. That yeah, yeah, right. Very, very happy. happy. <laughs> and I'll tell you how it happened. Uh, my dad came home one day and said, I have good news and bad news. And he said, the good news is I have a new job. And he said, the bad news is it's in California. I was packed in five minutes. Because I was a baseball guy. So I was like, first thing I thought of was I could play baseball year-round, which I did. Right. You know, and I was like packed in five minutes, you know. I'm the last of five kids. My older brothers and sisters, they were all messing around. They're like, we don't want to go. I'm like, let's go. I'm packed. Let's go. (laughs) They're ready to go. That's a very similar story with my dad. He said, yeah, we're moving from Winnipeg to Newport Beach, California. My mom had already packed. It was over. It was over. She was gone. She's like, all right, we're out of here. So, I mean, we got the UCLA uh, twins, as I like to call you guys, yeah, you know, here. Uh, that's, that, that's awesome, okay? Where, where's Tracy? We should have him on, too. Have we, yeah, he's, yeah, he's coming up. Okay, yeah, Tracy Murray, we'll have him, you know, in a couple weeks, can, no can, doubt. Can, can we talk about that debacle for a minute? Absolutely. I, I, I talked a little bit about it. Mean, I, I, I was very frustrated, very frustrated. I, I'm a UCLA alumni, and I'm very yeah. disappointed. Yeah. Very disappointed the way the whole thing was handled. Uh, to find out that they didn't give them a clue until they called the game off, mm-hmm. that that's just wrong. You, you don't do that, uh, especially in a bowl game, especially when everybody's already traveled. Uh, you got to give them the heads up and, and try to figure out a way to get that game played, whether it's UCLA or somebody else. Yeah, I totally agree. And, again, we're talking about the NC State-UCLA game, the Holiday Bowl that was canceled basically five hours before uh, kickoff. Uh, yeah. I read some quotes. Double B wasn't happy with Dave Dorian's comments, but I fully understand why Dave Dorian and NC State feels the way they do. They were a nine and three football team. They traveled cross country. They did everything right as far as you know, trying to keep their players yeah. secluded. They didn't have any COVID issues, and you know, it doesn't help when we see video of UCLA players at SeaWorld without right. the mask and then yeah. with mask and then down by their chin. And just not a bad look, but. Again, you know, we've talked about Chip Kelly before. Is this is this kind of Chip Kelly-ish because, well, I'm not, you know, he says at the press conference, well, as long as we got 11, we're going to play. And then all of a sudden, we don't know the numbers. I mean, how many, you know, players right. actually had it or whatever. We know that they suit up 85 or 90, you know, in college football. And so, yeah, I feel for NC State or anybody, they want to play the game, and they probably felt that UCLA could have played. And there's also that fraction of people that felt like UCLA's not motivated for this game. Yeah. I mean, traveling down the road, their season didn't end so so well, you know? Well, and I look, I look at the Oregon game as an example. Oregon chose to play that game even though they had all those guys out. I mean, they, right. they literally had two starters on defense that played. Right. I mean, but they played. Mm-hmm. They showed up and played, okay? And I think you have to show up and play. The worst-case scenario is you play all the young guys and you get to figure out what you have for next year, mm-hmm. okay? But you you got to show up and play. My issue was it took them so long to notify North Carolina State that, hey, we have an issue. To come out and just go, hey, we got to cancel because we don't have enough without any prior that that's my issue with it. Yeah. The fact they didn't let anybody know. Right. Anybody. I had, I, like I said, I had friends on the train coming from L.A. Yeah. They got there and they're like, what do you mean? There's no game. Right. Right. I mean, it's, it's just, to me, it's like, it, it yeah. just, it was a diff, it was a difficult day. Well, I At mean, least the I'm, Knights won that night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the thing, the thing is, it's a bowl game. The kids are excited. The holiday bowl is actually very well attended. Yeah. It's a great bowl game down in San Diego. You got all the parents that traveled all the way from North Carolina and wherever across the country. And now they don't get to see the game. Yeah, they, they transformed Petco into a gorgeous stadium. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. football, I mean, it looked like it was a natural. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if the Chargers are ruining that after looking at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, we're looking uh, looking forward to the Las Vegas uh, Bowl uh, tonight, and, and again, it's uh, Arizona State and Wisconsin kicking off at seven thirty. There are uh, tickets still available. So you can get those at Ticketmaster.com. Uh, and, again, uh, just the 30th uh, 
anniversary of the Las Vegas Bowl first year at Allegiant Stadium. And uh, Double B hit us with uh, trivia a couple weeks ago, if you remember, about the, the very first overtime college football game, right? Yeah. Remember that? I remember you know, that. To, yeah, yeah. Las Vegas Bowl, Las right? Las Vegas Bowl. Toledo and... I was in the stadium, and, and nobody knew what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> now, everybody's right. looking around like, now what do we do, right? Uh, this is supposed to end in a tie. That's right. how things worked for, until then. So, yeah. I actually, I do like the college football. I think they've modified it to be a little weird now when they start just lining up for the two-point conversions. Yeah. Are you a fan of that, Jay? Then they run all the way across the field. Then they run all the way back. Yeah, yeah. Just stay there and just snap, yeah. snap, snap, snap. So now we're going one way. overtime where you, know, you get the ball to 25, and then if it's still tied, now we're going to two-point conversions only. Yeah. No, no, no. They do one overtime, Time. and then they do a second, second overtime. overtime. Se- after the, the third, second. After the third one, they go to the two-point conversions. No, it's after the second. After the second is what yes. it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. after right. the second yeah. one now. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, to give you a kicker how crazy it was back when I was in high school, okay, we Granada Hills High School and some guy named Elway was the other quarterback. You <laughs> know, yeah, I think he turned out to be pretty good. He yeah. did okay. Um, he did okay. Not a very good GM though. No, uh, <laughs> not a very good post career. Yeah, right. We're in the we're in the CIF semifinals. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's a tie ball game. The CI the the city rules at that time. You start at the fifty. You alternate downs on whatever side of the fifty the ball ends up on. That team went. That was the rule? That was the rule. <laughs> wow. We, we got I didn't nailed, know that. We got nailed with a 15-yard holding call. And we were like, <laughs> okay. Uh, you you, you know, obviously, obviously, you know, yeah. we were playing at Granada Hills, too. So oh. it was, you know. But, yeah, but that was the that was the weirdest overtime ever. You start at the 50, you alternate, go back and forth, and end up on which side of the 50, and you figure it out. Sounds like tug of war. Yeah, tug of war. That's basically <laughs> That's what it crazy. was. Yeah. That is a yeah. crazy way to finish yeah. it. Yeah. I guess I'm not going to bellyache about the shootout yeah. anymore. They, right. They, right. The, the good news is they have modified that since then. Yeah. So, uh, All yeah. right. Uh, Jay, let's get some thoughts from you uh, from the national championship uh, semifinals. Uh, tomorrow, 1230, Alabama and uh, Cincinnati. Alabama, a 13.5-point favorite. As we know, uh, the Tide crushed Georgia, got the number one overall seed. Cincinnati sneaks in there. Uh, still Cincinnati not getting a whole bunch of love. How much of a shot do you give uh, the Bearcats against the Tide? Uh, I give them a, a, a little shot. Now, they're going to have to play an exceptional game, and Alabama's going to have to turn the football over. That's the way they're going to win. Okay, If Alabama has three turnovers that Cincinnati gets and has short fields to go, they have a chance to win it. Um, if, they don't turn, if Alabama doesn't turn the football over, I just don't see how Cincinnati wins because I think Alabama can dominate the time of possession, and they know how to score. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I have is I don't think Cincinnati's front line, their offensive line, has seen anything like the defensive line of Alabama. Right. And that's going to be going to make a difference because playing the position of quarterback, I don't care how good you are, you get hit a few times early, that ball starts coming out quicker and quicker. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's had that experience just yet. Mm-hmm. You know, Luke Fickle, the coach of uh, Cincinnati, you know, came from uh, Ohio mm-hmm. State. And, you know, he says that he, he likes his team. And he actually thinks that they have players like Ohio State has. Uh, we saw this team struggle, and I mentioned so many times, against Tulsa, against Navy, yeah. Tulane. Uh, they did take care of business against Houston, which was a, a competitive yeah. game in their conference uh, championship game. But uh, what do you think of the talent level that Fickle has at Cincinnati? Is it, is it, is it Ohio State-esque? Is it Big Ten material? It's, it's not Ohio State-esque yet. But I can't blame Coach Fickle for what he's saying. He's got to build up his team, okay? He's got to tell those guys that, hey, we have the talent. We're going there. Now, I think they've had a couple of really good years. They're in the playoffs this year. If they can continue that for another two years, they'll start getting that t- that top talent. And that's what you need to do, consistency over time. Um, you know, they put together a really good team this year. I just don't see it. On all 22 positions that are going to be out there playing, I just don't see them matching up with Alabama over the course of a full game. Yeah, I like the Cincinnati team. Uh, again, they struggled again in their conference, and I know they went undefeated, but if they played in any of the bigger conferences, there's no way that team goes undefeated. Right. It's hard to go undefeated against teams that know you, that play to those levels, yeah. and uh, and know your tendencies and know everything. So uh, I've never been a fan of the, the, the smaller division playing in this title. Mm-hmm. Give them their own title. It's right. called Division Two, yeah. you know, and uh, that's why I focus on the Big Five primarily. Sometimes you get a Boise State or a Cincinnati that could sprout out of there and surprise somebody, but they only got to step up for one or two games. Right. You know, I mean, when they went to Notre Dame, they don't have to go to Alabama. They don't have to go to LSU. They don't have to right. host 
uh, LSU. They don't have to have Arkansas, A&M. Those are traps. Those are tough games week in and week out. When they have to play Tulsa and Navy and Tulane and Houston, those are nice teams. They don't scare anybody. So, I mean, I'm, I'm actually rooting for a close game. I actually hope that they can keep the ball away from Alabama. That's really the only yeah. way to win the game to me. Is And, and it goes, uh, uh, Jay said turnovers and creating short fields. To me, you've got to limit the possessions. You've got to finish drives. You've got to take the ball away. And you got to, Alabama's defense is not exceptional. They gave up a jillion yards to Georgia. And the fact is, if they can just keep the ball away from them, maybe they can hang in the game. But that might be a stretch because Alabama may go bang, bang, and they're down 14 nothing. <laughs> then what do you do? Right. Well, you, may, you bring up a good point. Alabama's defense isn't what it used to be. But inside the red zone, it might be. Yeah, well, they sure were in okay. Georgia. So you can go, you know, we always said as, as a quarterback, you know, there's a whole lot of things you can do between 20 and 20. Yeah. It's from the 20 in, look, yeah. it gets you big money. Yeah. That, yeah. That's where you make it. And yeah. I just don't see Cincinnati being able to get in the end zone. If they start kicking field goals, I, they're going to be yeah. on the bottom end of, you know, minus four points every right. time because Alabama's going to score. They yeah. know how to score yeah. touchdowns. I, I yeah, like that, that QB for Alabama. Yeah, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, he's speaking of, uh, of Bryce Young, and Brian, you made a very good point last hour when you said that he that game against Georgia, he won the Heisman Trophy on that day because against Auburn the week before, he did not look that good, and he has been somewhat uneven, you know, in a lot of games during the course, uh, you know, of the season. What are your thoughts when you look at Bryce Young, Jay? Well, I think you're you're exactly right. He has been up and down, um, but last week when they played Georgia was exceptional. Okay, I mean, it was an eye-opener because everybody knew he had the talent, but that was the first time they actually went out and did it on the big stage, yeah. you know, uh, on a consistent level. And it was it was amazing to watch where he put the ball, the decisions, you know, moving the ball, making the right choices. It was, it was a great game for a young quarterback. Now the question is, can he build on that and continue to do that for the next two games? If he does that the next two games, Alabama's national championship. Right. Okay, there's – you might as well just – phone it in. If, if he can play that way for the next two games, Alabama wins the championship. Southern California yep. quarterback, high school quarterback there, right? Still That's very it. young, but man. they got he, some he, good QBs there in Southern they California. They do. Yeah, they've, they've, turned out a few. they've turned out a few. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not crazy about Desmond Ritter as a quarterback for Cincinnati, but Anytime that you have a pretty good defense, they're going to keep you in games. And I think that's why Cincinnati is here. Because Cincinnati does have a good defense. They do. And we've seen Alabama now with John Mechie, their top wide receiver. That's a big blow for Alabama. They're not going to have him in this game. And so to me, that I'm not going to say it evens the playing field, but it just it gives Cincinnati a little bit more of a shot. Maybe not to win, but to keep it close. And we saw what Cincinnati did. I go back to that game against Georgia in the Peach Bowl last year where they – they really kind of dominated that game against Georgia. So they can play against these big boys. Defensively, they can, I feel. I just don't know if offensively they can attack that Alabama defense. Yeah, I think you make a good point. And, you know, when you say Alabama is down their top receiver, I recall a few years ago that they were down their top receiver and, you know, the next five-star recruit walks in, and the next thing you know, he's yep. the number one draft choice. Yep. You know, nobody nobody <laughs> heard of him, and now saying, right. you know, he, he's got nine catches for 200 yep. yards and three touchdowns, and everybody's like, oh, yep. you know, uh, Alabama's loaded. I'm not worried about their skill positions. Uh, I'm worried about Cincinnati's quarterback play and their offensive line. That, that to me, would be the, the difference. Can, can Ritter make things happen with his feet? No. Can not he? really. Not really. Because that's, not that's, against always, speed been, that's always been a problem for yeah. for Saban yeah. is that mobile yeah. quarterback has given yeah. him fits. And, and Kenny's he's kind of lanky, right? Yeah. right. Can he get there? And he, he ran for some yards, but he's really not much of a runner, is he? Well, right. you know, TC brings up a good point. Yes, he's run for some yards, but he hasn't run for those yards against an SEC yeah. de- defense. Because yeah. we have seen him <laughs> on the run. I mean, yeah. he's, he's broken off some, some runs before, but, you know, you're not playing Tulsa this week, right. you know? <laughs> and really, the only thing you got is is to go back to when they beat Notre Dame and how they beat Notre Dame. It was an ugly slugfest. Right, right. And if they can kind of replicate that, although nobody's going to con- uh, confuse Notre, Notre Dame's Dame offense with right. Alabama. Right. Right. So yeah. Yeah. That, that's a little bit of a difference. Yeah, or even the defense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. It's a little stretch. Yeah. All right, we go to Georgia and Michigan. That'll be at, at 4.30 tomorrow. Again, the two and three seeds. And, uh, you know, Georgia was everyone's number one until Alabama uh, took care of them. And uh, this Michigan team, they... 
I like to say kind of came out of nowhere over the last four or five games of the regular season, and what they did to Ohio State was phenomenal. That put them uh, in this position right now. Uh, Jay, do you think that that both of these teams are are we, we going to look at what they did in the last game? Uh, is that play into this game, or you know, is this just a totally different matchup here? We've got to start analyzing. Hey, there's Georgia. There's that speed. Uh, there's Michigan. And uh, are they going to be able to move the ball against the Georgia defense? I think they'll move. They'll have some success against the Georgia defense. Yes. Okay. Michigan. Michigan has very good players. There's no doubt about it. Um, and they're faster than they have been in years past. They're still not SEC fast. Okay, there's there's a difference, um, and I think they'll struggle against the Georgia defense at times. Again, I think it's going to come down to the passing game. You know, can Michigan consistently throw the ball? They haven't done it yet. That's my concern. They haven't done it yet, and you know, I think Georgia comes up with a couple of key turnovers, and I think they end up winning the game. I think it'll be I think it'll be a pretty good slugfest for a while because both teams want to run the ball. And they're going to find out who's going to stand there and take it uh, for a while. And uh, But I think overall, I think at the end, I think Georgia can throw the ball a little bit better, and I think that'll be the difference maker. Mm. Yeah, that, that tight end for Georgia, that, that freshman from Napa, I think, uh, okay. uh, is, is, a, is looks to be the next elite tight end yep. uh, to be drafted eventually. He's got three more years there. Uh, Georgia does have more weapons, obviously, on the outside. I think that uh, Kirby Smart panicked in that game against Alabama, yeah. and uh, we'll see. We'll see how the game unfolds. Uh, they played a, the best offense in the country, bar none, Ohio State, yeah. best offense in the country. Gave up some yards, but they were hard-earned yards. And I think Georgia's going to be very surprised with how good Michigan's defensive backs are. There was no room at all for those elite receivers, Alave at all, at all. They had no room. They had to make these miraculous catches on their hips, behind their head. I mean, just crazy catches just to keep them in that game. So uh, I think that the game's going to be very, very tight, very low scoring. And, uh, you know, Jay hit on the nose. Probably a turnover here or there going to dictate who wins the game. Right. Yeah. And I think you guys talked about it, and I heard you in the first hour, um, the eye-opener for Georgia. Okay, having having a chance to go back, look at that Alabama film, and realize, okay, they gave up seven touchdowns the entire year until that game. Yeah. So you look at it, you learn from it, and you go, hey, we made some mistakes. Because they did. They made some blown yeah. coverages and, and different things like that that really helped Alabama. And if they can correct those things and get back to playing defense, I think Michigan struggles to score. Yeah. But I think, I think on the other end, I think Georgia's going to want to pound the ball too, and I don't see it being a high-scoring game. Right. I really don't. Yeah. And Georgia just doesn't have that pounding running Pretty, game like right. they've had. And they don't right. have that upper echelon quarterback. Yeah. And, again, you got JT Daniels just sitting in the wing, and none of us can understand why <laughs> Kirby Smart is hanging with Stetson Bennett. Right. So, I mean, that's what that's kind of opens the door for, for Michigan. Yeah. Double B, let me ask this. You've seen Michigan up close and personal several times. Uh, is this team, how much faster, how much more athletic is this Michigan team than what we're used to seeing in years past? Well, on the defense, they're fast. They are very fast. And I think that was the surprise about Georgia was when the open, when, the, when they, they, had, they allowed maybe an extra half a second for him to throw the ball, and he made pinpoint throws in stride to guys in the middle of the field, and they just ran away from the Georgia defense, yeah. which was a little bit of a surprise to me after watching them during the year. Uh, but Michigan's defense is very, very good. Offensively, uh, they've got a couple of really good players. they got that number two, Corum, who's quite fast. Yeah. He's been uh, nursing a lower body injury yeah. uh, during the year, but they say he's very healthy. Otherwise, they're more of a smash type of team. They're more of a, hey, let's try to get our three on third down, make it yep. third and one, and, and crash and get there. Uh, they got a, a QB who comes off the bench who's very hard to stop in short yardage situations. So uh, their running back's on fire. I mean, he's, I think he's scored like nine touchdowns in the last three games. Uh, and he's quite good, and he sails over the top. I like, I like to watch Marcus again up there. So, uh, you know, if, if they're in short yardage situations, I think they're in a, a better situation than people give them credit for. If it gets to be to where they're going to have to rely on coming from behind, it might be a t- difficult game. 
You say Marcus? Are you, are you giving a little love to USC? Is that I, what you're I doing? I don't like it. He was a Raider too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. By the way, he was a ra- he was a Raider, and he was he is one of my favorite running backs to watch. He was one of my favorite running backs to watch because I mean the guy did it all, and when it was short down there, nobody could stop him right. ever. He had he had the most incredible knack for not taking on a blow straight on. Yeah, right. I don't Amazing. know I don't know how he contorted his body sometimes to get away from these blows, but he would slide through holes. We used to run a little trap on the goal line, and I mean the hole is six inches. And that sucker would find a way to get yeah, through there. Yeah. And I'm like, I, you know, and I'm standing right there. <laughs> How are you getting through there? And he'd yeah. get through there. Yeah. Uh, he, he was amazing. But back to the Michigan game, you bring up a good point. First and second down are keys. And if I was Jim Harbaugh, I'd concentrate first and second down, get myself in third and three, third and four, and then I'd bootleg. I'd eliminate half the field for my quarterback. And I'd just tell him, you're going one to two and you're trying to get three yards by yourself if you can't get it. Get out and eliminate half the field. Yeah. That's what I would do to, make, to try to have build some success. Yeah, eliminate possessions. Yep. All right, great stuff from the quarterback, uh, Jay Schrader here. And we've got the uh, UCLA Bruin alums here, Double B and, uh, and Jay Schrader with us here talking a little college football. When we come back, we talk NFL. We'll get you caught up to date on the Raiders. There are some more COVID issues there. Take you around the NFL. We'll look at the Raiders matchup against the Indianapolis Colts, who could be quarterbackless. So uh, we'll dive into that and a whole bunch more coming your way here on a thunderous Thursday. A college bowl game edition and NFL edition of the T.C. Martin Show live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. T.C. Martin. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. The doctor is now in. In. Back at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas here on this Thursday afternoon. T.C. Martin, Double B, Brian Benowitz, Jay Schrader in the house, Scott Spitzer. One of our handicapper extraordinaires, Doc Sports, he's going to join us here, and we start talking some uh, NFL action here this half hour. And again, Las Vegas Bowl tonight at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, tickets still available, Ticketmaster.com. Check it all out at uh, Allegiant tonight, 7.30, kickoff, Arizona State and Wisconsin. Looking forward to the Las Vegas Bowl making its debut at Allegiant Stadium. All right, guys, let's uh, update everyone on the, some more Raiders news. As we know, the, the COVID situation fluid. And we, uh, you know, Carson Wentz, uh, we're hearing is, what we think what was out of this game. I don't know where this thing is going now. Unvaccinated. Uh, he was supposed to be in quarantine for 10 days. NFL changed their rules midstream here a couple days ago. Who knows where this is. But from a Raiders standpoint, uh, defensive end uh, Carl Nassib was placed on the COVID-19 list. Uh, today, along with uh, Jordan Simmons. Uh, the Raiders now have 14 players from the active roster and the practice squad in COVID-19 protocols. Um, they they brought in uh, Justin March Lillard and uh, Kyle uh, Weiber, linebacker, this week because Denzel Perryman, K.J. Wright, Will Compton, uh, Patrick Osunoir are all on the COVID-19 list. Darren Waller, who has been dealing with the injury, now has ended up on the COVID-19 list, along with backup quarterback Marcus Mariota. So it changes by the day. It changes by the hour. When, talk when, about talk about this game. I mean, well, when a huge was, game for the Raiders this week in Indianapolis and travel on top of it. Well, let me ask you this, yeah. you guys. You guys have been following this for a long time like I have through the NFL. When does it come down to week 17 and you look out at the game field and you wonder who half the players are? Yeah, exactly. When, uh, it, when does that ever happen? Yeah, the, never. The, the NFL had to do what they did to, right. to reduce it. Uh, I guess there's enough scientific nature to reduce it to five days. That's what I try to be, follow. <laughs> it's hard so, to follow all that stuff in the CDC. So te- technically, Carson Wentz can test Sunday morning. If he gets a negative test, he can play. Right. Uh, apparently that's the case. I mean, uh, I, I don't know how how much how, is, how sick he is. is long because as he's unvaccinated, at least the people right. who are vaccinated or boosted seem to have mostly asymptomatic cases, and right. uh, it, it runs through their system pretty quick. And within five days, they're they're okay. But I, I don't know. I, I don't. I mean, you don't know what kind of strain he got or what he's got. So uh, who knows? Yeah, and, and the Colts are, uh, you know, affected by this as well, too. So Darius Leonard missed last week's game, and he's a key piece to that, the Colts defense. Uh, don't know if he's going to be back or not this week. And 
Uh, they were hit hard last week yeah. uh, in their game where they were missing five offensive linemen uh, due not only to COVID, but then injuries on top of that. I don't know how they, yeah. they finished that game you know, last week against Arizona on they, the road, and they won. They gutted the that out. Yeah, but the Colts have been very, very impressive. If, if I remember correctly, the Colts finished that game with the five guys on the field and one guy, one one offensive lineman yes. for the last, I think it was the last two and a half quarters. They had, Correct. They had one substitute. Yeah. So they were going to have to. They were going to have to shuffle their right. whole line. And that guy never played an NFL okay. snap. Yeah, he had never played a snap. Right. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. So, you know, the guys out on the field, they're like, I guess we're out here. Right. You know, there's no chance. All right. Uh, let's bring in our good friend Scott Spritzer. Scott, what's going on, my man? Hey, guys. Just uh, doing what you're doing, man. I'm just following all these COVID updates and everything else, trying to figure out what I want to bet this weekend. <laughs> and, and, and Jay was just talking about this, Scott. You know, from a handicapping standpoint, I mean, how do you handicap this? In, you know, we had talked to our good friend Matt Holt last hour, and Matt was talking about how before you would just have so much, uh, you know, action that would, would lead up a, until a bowl game. But he goes, that the action really has been stagnant. And then as the bowl, the bowl game approaches within hours, that's when it really starts picking up because you just don't know how to handicap it because you don't know which personnel are going to be on the field and which aren't. Yeah, I think in most cases, like with the Georgia Bulldogs, for instance, you know, Kirby Smart talked about the fact that they had a bunch of players who were dealing with COVID protocols a couple of weeks ago, but they're past that. So you can get some of that kind of information out of some of the coaches, but in a lot of cases, it's, you know, wait and see. The problem with waiting and seeing is that don't jump in if the team you like all of a sudden is no longer getting value because... They've got players who were questionable all of a sudden playing, and you weren't looking at lines and able to get down on that bet until it moved three points because all of a sudden they're playing. So it's a real tricky proposition right now as far as betting these games are concerned. As far as the Raiders and Colts, you know, basically I can wrap it up in what about five words? I am leaving it alone. (laughs) (laughs) What I might do, guys, here's what I might do. So I might not be completely truthful what I'm saying. I'm leaving it alone because I'm going to be near my computer, do the ESPN show on Sunday mornings, and I'm going to be near my computer with my 25 books stared at me on my line service. And if I see that Carson Wentz has been upgraded and going to start, as long as I can catch that before the Colts get higher than, let's say, eight and a half, I will use Indy on a teaser. I'll tease them down to two and a half or less and tie them with somebody else. All right. Scott, we've been talking a lot about uh, the college side, especially the two national semifinal games. Quick take from you here. Uh, Alabama 13-and-a-half over Cincinnati. Uh, Quick thoughts on this. Yeah, as far as the Alabama game is concerned, to me, and because I say best play, I don't want everybody to think that it's a big play, but I think the best play in this game is Alabama in the first half. And I was looking at some of the books right before uh, we came on here, and I see, and I was a little surprised at this, that the books that have it right now in Las Vegas have it at seven. A little bit extra juice you got to lay on that seven. I was firmly expected to see seven and a half. I also, you know, so for that instance, I, I do think Alabama laying the seven in the first half is a good line, if you like Bama, fair line. Uh, it's it's kind of hard for me to imagine that they're not going to be leading this game. Now they could be leading by three or six, but at seven, again, a key number. At the worst you're going to do if they're up by a touchdown is get your money back. So to me, as far as Alabama is concerned, that's the best play. You know, we we saw before the SEC title game because they struggled against uh, against Auburn to win that game. The football media jumped completely off the Crimson Tide bandwagon. And we played Alabama against Georgia in that game, and all of a sudden that point spread got inflated, got out of whack because of that performance against the Auburn Tigers. And now we're seeing the football media saying Alabama has no chance to lose this game, and Georgia has no chance to cover 7.5 against Michigan. Now I'm talking about more of the national football media, not like UTC, you guys here in Las Vegas, that have been betters or close to it, the game itself, you know, for 25 years. You guys get it. So there's been this overreaction, anti-Alabama, as Nick Saban likes to call it, or excuse me, pro-Alabama, as Nick Saban likes to call that. That's not the kind of rat poison he wants to hear. (laughs) On the flip side, you've got, again, Georgia 
based off of how badly they looked in parts of that game against Bama, all of a sudden they're not the best team in the nation after being called that for 12 or 13 weeks. So I tend to look at the, at the entire season, or at least the second half over one game, as you guys know. And I think Bama minus seven in the first half is not a bad play, maybe the under, although that under has come down two points. Think about Cincinnati, their top three in a couple of the key categories, defensive efficiency, defensive pass efficiency. They can make life a little bit tough on Alabama, and because of that, I just made it a first-half play. All right. Okay. Georgia and Michigan, uh, the number of Georgia is seven and a half. And like you said, Scott, and we talked a lot about that, a lot of people just say, hey, you know, what, what the last thing that we saw, the last thing they saw, Georgia getting blown out of Alabama, and Michigan was blown out of Ohio State here. And, uh, yeah. I, you know, my thought is that uh, I think Jay agrees with me here. Is that uh, I think we're going to see, you know, you know, Georgia step up again, and we're going to look at the full body of work here. And a lot of people don't look at the full body of work. When you look at Georgia and you look at Michigan, how do you handicap this game? Yeah, I'll tell you what. Right now, off the bat, that I'm looking at three casinos right now, three sports books that are seeing 78 percent or more of the tickets have come in on Michigan at those joints. Yet that number is still seven and a half. It's still above seven. And that tells me that they're expecting the respected money to be on Georgia much more than on Michigan. And that kind of gives you a key into these games, you know, when you see something like that on a key number not being lowered below 7.5, yet the dog is getting all the play thus far from the public. Listen, you know, I, I mentioned about what we heard before the SEC title game, what happened, and now we're hearing anti-Georgia talk because of, you know, that one loss when they got beat up a little bit on defense by the Alabama Crimson Tide. But once again, I believe it's an overreaction. Uh, they're also saying, by the way, that Stetson, Stetson Bennett isn't the kind of starting quarterback to win a college football playoff game. I disagree with that. Bennett was great all year until the game against the Tide. And we also might see JT Daniels in the mix from time to time in this game, even though Bennett has been named the starter. I power-rated Georgia 10.5 points better than Michigan on a neutral field before the Alabama game took place, and I'm sticking to it. Now, Michigan wants to play power football. They've got the running back, pro style, if you will. But if they can't run on this outstanding, this talented defense, I don't think McNamara can do anything close to what Alabama was able to do in the passing game. So, like UTC, it's Georgia or nothing for me. All right. Scott Spritzer joins us. Doc Sports. You can get Scott's picks at DocSports.com. Uh, again, one of our favorites. Been doing this a long time. Great handicapper. Love having him part of the show and part of our team. Scott, let's go back to the NFL. And, uh, Jay, I want to get your thoughts here, too, as we as we look at the Raiders in Indianapolis, both with these COVID issues. Like Scott said, very hard to handicap here. Uh, when you look at these teams, uh, considering what's in front of us right now, 48 hours before the game, or 72 hours, who are you picking? Well, it, it's that's a tough one, as Chris said, because right now I would have to go with the Colts because I don't think it really matters who's playing quarterback. They can run the football. And right now the Raiders are struggling on defense, and they've got guys that are going to be out of this game that are key players to stop in that run. And I think that's going to be the big difference. So uh, as of right now, I think the Colts have the advantage just because of who the Raiders are missing on defense to stop the run game. I think it's a toss-up. I mean, I don't know who's playing. That's, that's <laughs> right, the right yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah. yeah the the yeah. whole issue is, uh, you know, if it's healthy team on healthy team, uh, yeah. th- this this could be a great matchup. But you right. just don't know who's going to be out there. Uh, I think that Wentz being out, they're going to rely on trying to run the ball. And who who's left on the offensive line? I don't know. Uh, and then who on defense can stop him? You know, I mean, Mad Max can't do it all by himself. Right. Although he looks like he can at times. But uh, it's, it's difficult. Uh, the one thing, the Raiders got a great kicking team. Yep. Their, their field goal kicker is absolutely all but automatic, yep, right. and their punter's phenomenal. So uh, as long as they don't turn the ball over, which they did three times last week <laughs> to just aggravate you, because they dominated the Broncos, yep. dominated the game, but those three turnovers kept the Broncos in it. You know, don't turn the ball over. Carr, make the smart play. Put the ball away, Josh Jacobs. I mean, those are the things that are aggravating because one was almost, I mean, it was basically a scoop and score. The guy got to the yeah. one-yard line. So. Double B, you sat here three weeks ago and said, Raiders are done. Forget about it. Then, of course, they, they beat Cleveland, and Cleveland was a shell of themselves. So. No Baker Mayfield and, you know, so many starters out. Two-thirds of the other, it, it, the rest it, of them, Exactly. Yeah. Then, you know, Denver last week. Okay, you got Drew Locke. And again, you know, the Raiders have taken care of Denver, you know, four times in the last two years. Yeah. Uh, where do you stand now? And then I want to get your take on this as well, Jay. Prior, prior to the Kansas City game, I thought they were dead in the water. Yeah. I did. And then they got some benefits of some teams that were depleted and, and some weak teams. Now they're getting another opportunity. Can they rally? 
uh, that remains to be seen. I mean, uh, uh, other teams are falling by the wayside. The Chargers are playing terribly. Yeah. I mean, they who they get beat by last week? Jacksonville, <laughs> Houston, Houston. Houston. Same, same difference. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just it's 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 shocking that the pieces yeah. are falling around them. They're finding a way to win against yeah. against the Browns. Found a way to win last week. So I mean, if they could find a way to win this week, that would be an exciting game. I'm really looking forward to the final game. I hope it's meaningful. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to see what the Raiders do for John Madden. Uh, uh, as a tribute for that game because, man, some of the stuff that's come out has been amazing. Yeah. So I hope that the game is meaningful. That's really what I want is to see them having an opportunity. So yeah. in order for that to happen, they got to win this week. Right. Yeah. The good news is what the Raiders have done is they've won the games that they've played mm-hmm. some way, somehow. No matter who they played against, no matter what the other team who has or hasn't had. Now, they won the game last week against Denver. I was there. Three turnovers, Denver has 158 total yards, and you win by four points. Yes, you won, but you can't re- be really excited about the game, okay? I mean, you, right. didn't, you didn't do some things very good. Uh, so there's room to grow, which is the positive side. But as Brian said, they're getting opportunities. They're getting this stuff handed to them that, look, these teams aren't at full capacity, and you have a chance to go in and win. I mean, you have a chance this week to go on the road and beat Indianapolis, but you're going to have to play well. They have three turnovers this week. They're not winning. Right. It's a different team. Indianapolis is a different team. Remember what Coach said? Would co- the, the, duck the duck offense? The duck offense. Yeah. He always said the turnovers. That's it. There you go. Yeah. Our good friend, may rest in peace, Jim Fossil. Jim Fossil. Yeah, there it is. It, that's it. That's it. All right. Scott Spritzer joins us. Uh, Scott, let's go look at the NFL board here, and uh, let's uh, take a look at this. I had one quick question for Scott. Okay. Because we talk a lot about, and, and we've talked about the, the, all the, the, when you look at a team, you want to look at the, the whole year. Mm-hmm. But there's times you look at a team and they get exposed. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I point it down like Iowa got exposed against Purdue. Mm-hmm. Exposed. Yeah. They were number two in the country, and they got exposed. To me, Georgia got exposed when I look at it. And, I, and yeah, you want to look at the whole year, but they didn't play a lot of great teams. To me, I look at Alabama exposed them, and now can the next team, like the teams that played Iowa, looked at that Purdue game and looked at the film and said, hey, we could do this. Can't, why, why can't Michigan do that? Where, where people are saying, oh, well, you just got to look back. Well, Michigan, they, ha- they came out after everybody thought they'd be flat, and they hammered Iowa in that championship yeah. game. Yeah. So why can't they carry that through? That, that's a question that I just, it's boiling in my head that everybody says, well, you, guys, you can't just look at the last game. Right. Well, sometimes you can't. Sometimes you can't. Yeah, and, and it's a good question. I mean, you go back to Iowa, you could ask TC. I had Iowa not even in my top 25 when they were number two in the nation, power rating-wise. So, you know, you watch that team unable to do anything on offense, relying on opposing teams' mistakes, their defensive play, their incredible identity that they maintained under Kirk Ferentz, knowing what they can do right and playing that way. So when they stepped up against decent offenses that weren't going to make mistakes, I thought Iowa uh, was going to be exposed, and, and they obviously were. As far as what's going on and the difference, I think, between Michigan and Alabama, when you looked at the Alabama-Georgia matchup, as much as we all like Kirby Smart and respect him, we know who the better coach is there and who the better coaching staff is. It's Saban and his staff. We know that. We know that we've got a five-star true Heisman quarterback that was going up against a walk-on quarterback for Georgia. And so, and the receivers for Alabama, they're going to be short one of those great receivers this bowl game, but those receivers for Alabama are NFL-level receivers in another year or so, and, and that was a whole different animal for Georgia to have to face compared to, as you mentioned, what they had faced throughout the course of the season. When I look at Michigan, I see maybe one NFL-level receiver. Uh, McNamara is adequate. He's decent for what Jim Harbaugh wants to have done, but he's nowhere near a five-star type quarterback. He's maybe a three-star. So the quarterback situation evens out. The wide receiver information uh, matchup is not anywhere as detrimental to Georgia's secondary as it was against Bama. And really, you've got a coaching advantage now with Kirby Smart over Harbaugh. As much as I like Harbaugh, I'm not one of those guys who bagged Jim Harbaugh and thought he should have been canned last year like a lot of the Ann Arbor faithful who love him this year, wanted him out last year. Uh, so I do think he's a, a very good football coach, but I like Kirby Smart better. Got the better defense, and if you slow down that running game, is McNamara going to beat you? Bama made Georgia's defense play all over the field with those receivers and a quarterback who can deliver the, the football and escape pressure when needed. I just don't see that out of McNamara. So I think it's a great question, and it really comes down to an opinion on whether you think you know, that situation matters enough to not play Georgia or not. 
All right. Good stuff. Interesting. Or did Scott. we go back to the Clemson-Georgia game early in the year? Yeah. That yeah. type of game <laughs> where one defense was played, one defensive play made the whole game. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Scott, go ahead and, uh, and, and give us your, your, your top plays on the college side, on whether it's uh, – we already talked about these two games, but any of the bowl games on Saturday that you, that you really like, and then we'll uh, transition into the NFL and your best bets. Yeah, this one's a little – it's a little scary because I think the Irish got a, a real nice bump when they named Freeman – the head coach for Notre Dame when Brian Kelly took off to LSU. I mean, the, the locker room reportedly erupted. Everybody really happy with Freeman. Uh, that doesn't mean they come out and win a football game. They've been extremely poor for many, many years when they played in these New Year's Day or later bowl games have the Irish. Now, that doesn't mean that this group of players can't come out and perform well. But I'll tell you two things, and I'll make it quick, that I'm really big on when it comes to bowl games. And I've been doing this for more than a decade now. So far, it's 2-0 this year. It was Air Force in San Diego State. I like to play a rush angle bowl system where you're looking at an underdog, has to be an underdog, in this case Oklahoma State, has to have outrushed per game their opponents through the course of the season by at least a 2-1 to one ratio and held their opponents for the course of the season under 100, 100 yards rushing. They also have to be better in that ratio than the team they're facing in the bowl game. Those teams have been 68% for many, many years now against the spread of the bowls. 2-0 so far this year, Oklahoma State is the final play in that. And also, head coaches with bowl experience against a head coach who's making his first bowl appearance as a head coach have been fantastic. I mean, wins left and right for many, many years now in the bowls. Going back six years, it's over, well over 60%. You've got Gundy, who's got a 10-5 and straight up and spread bowl record, going up against Freeman, who's brand new at this. So for those reasons, I backed Oklahoma State on Saturday, TC. Yeah, I agree with you. I, that's, that's a game that I have circled myself. I do like Oklahoma State in this contest for the reasons that you just uh, just said, Scott. And again, you know, Notre Dame doesn't have a great tradition when it comes to these games, again, especially against physical teams. And Oklahoma State has a very physical defense uh, as well. All right, from the NFL. They're missing Kyron Williams, by the way. I didn't throw that in there. Missing the running back, yeah. Notre Dame. Very good running huge. back. Yeah, yeah. outstanding. Yep. They're leading running back. All right, to the NFL uh, side, Scott, give us uh, your best bets on the NFL side. Yeah, you know what? As far as the NFL is concerned, guys, I think the Detroit Lions getting a full seven from Seattle is not a bad play this week. I mean, the Lions continue to play hard for Dan Campbell. <laughs> They've covered 10 of their 15 games this season. That's like third best in the NFL. If you blindly play Detroit plus the points this year, your bankroll is getting fat. You clean it up. They're on a 6-1 and one spread run. Uh, and even if Boyle has to play, we saw him play a lot last week, and he didn't perform too badly. You'd rather have Goff in there. Not that I'm a big Jared Goff fan, but that he is better than Boyle. But I'm fine with either quarterback. Uh, Seattle's dropped 10 games. It's the first time they've had double-digit losses since Pete Carroll's been calling the shots. I think last week's loss, blowing a 10-point fourth-quarter lead with about 11 minutes to go, getting outscored 11 nothing the rest of the way by the Bears, is going to be tough to overcome. And if you look at Seattle's 15 games this year, they've been outstatted, to make up a word. They've been outstatted in 12 of their 15 games. I took the seven with Detroit, guys. Okay. And what else you got? Anything else on the NFL side? Yeah, I'm uh, going to lay it here with the uh, Saints over the Panthers, and I might end up teasing that down. If I could get wins to play, tease them down to two and a half or less, I'm going to tie them to the Saints, which would tease down to minus half a point. Uh, Ian Book's going to be back on the bench. Taysom Hill's been upgraded to probable, means the offense can get back uh, close to normal. And then Hill and Harris should do plenty of damage against this Carolina team that has done nothing on offense since they brought back Cam Newton. It's also a bit of revenge for New Orleans. Revenge is an overused, overhyped term, but they did lose in week two, 26-7. But remember the Panthers early in the year? We really thought that this team was playing well above the level of a lot of football teams the first four weeks of the season. They've since collapsed and fallen off. And also, Jameis Winston was a quarterback for the Saints in that game, and he had a horrible game in that contest. So it'll be a different look. I like the Saints minus six and a half, and I will use them on a teaser if I can get Wentz to play on Sunday for the Colts. There you go. I am with Indy. Great stuff. All right, Scott. Appreciate it as always, my friend. Check out Scott's plays at DocSports.com. He joins us, of course, each and every Thursday. Take care, my man. Have a great uh, and very safe uh, New Year's. Uh, quick quick take on tonight's Las Vegas Bowl because we're heading over there afterwards. Uh, who do you well, like tonight? 
I would have played Wisconsin at seven or less, but they've gone up over to seven and a half. But if I had to play it, I would back the Badgers. They're as high as eight in some joints now. Wow. Uh, I think they're, you know, listen, I love teams that know their identity. Wisconsin got a little lost in their identity early in the season, but they're back at it, run that football and grind. I, I respect Herm Edwards, but I think Wisconsin gets the better of them. And just want to wish all you guys, Jay, Brian, Brian, I haven't seen you for a while, man. Can't wait to see you soon. TC and everybody listening, a great new year and a safe one. Thanks a lot, buddy. Appreciate right you. Back at you, Scott. All right. There he is, Scott Spritzer, uh, one of our great uh, guys, uh, part of our, our crew and our team here, and so happy to have him, Matt Holt, uh, and the whole gang here. And Jay Schrader, the quarterback in the house. Love having him here. I, I'm surprised we didn't bring up the biggest game of the year on Sunday. Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, let's see. The, the Winnipeg uh, Blue Bombers are now done. They've already won the cup. Yeah, 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 we got the Winnipeg yeah. Jets yeah. here in, in, in the Vegas. The Winnipeg Jets, Jets and the Golden Knights. That's, that's right. That's Sunday. Yeah. That's Sunday, 1 o'clock. Remember, we're going to be back here tomorrow. You know, that's true. Right. It's not Friday. I know. I know. You're all screwed up. I'm here, and it's not Friday. That's right. It's not Friday. That's right. That's a good point. But see, you got to understand, Jay, in his DNA, if I don't bring up anything with hockey, he's going to make sure that he brings it up. You know what I'm saying? That's it. He's got it. Jerry the dentist has been stuck in Calgary for six hours. He's on his way here. He'll be here at 5 o'clock. I'm going to have him come right up there. Ready do, to go. The, all, all of Winnipeg has come down. It's minus 40 there, so they're ready to come down. All yeah. right. Yeah. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, we got to give a strong plug to the ice rink up on the fourth floor yes. at the Cosmopolitan. It's outstanding. You can see Double B uh, doing his sprints up there, usually nice. every morning, you know, before the crowd gets up there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what a great experience. Uh, again, uh, I love going up there. Haven't been up there yet, but I, I, I got to do that. Uh, uh, before Sunday, and uh, you know we've got some we got, got some great stuff here happening, of course, at the Cosmopolitan. But talk about the ice rink. The ice rink is one of the uh, a great thing we've done for ten years here. Uh, it's out. It's upstairs at, at the Boulevard Pool. Uh, it's been open since the middle of November. Runs through January second. Open at noon every day now. It's a fantastic time. We still have a couple tickets available, and they can go on the website for uh, New Year's Eve up there. Okay. Might be a little chilly for those of you that are out there. You know, it might twenty degrees or whatever it is out there. But it's a lot of fun. It's uh, it's a uh, it's a world class arena. We got the chalet up there. A lot of food, a lot of good hot toddies for you, and uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm, I, my skates are in my, in my locker re- are ready to go. Ready to go. I'm ready to race you any time, TC. Yeah. What, what, I'll get you on roller skates. Yeah, what, what's the fee for teaching people the triple toe loop that you do? <laughs> yeah, the, 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 no fee. I'll come out and teach you whatever you need. You just gotta get your, you gotta have your stick right. And there's yeah. double B. That's a, that's a triple axle. Yeah. Triple axle. Yeah. I, I can't do any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff with the, with the toe pick and all that. That's that's yeah. that's too finesse. That's that's it. It. I'm, more a, I'm more of a linebacker on skates. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Jay, who do you like in the NFL this week? Uh, you know, it, it's so hard to pick these games as we go forward because as as we talked about this whole hour, who's playing? <laughs> who do you really know? And you know, there's some there's some key games for. What comes down next, you know, I'll be interested to see, you know, the Buccaneers play the Jets, okay? Buccaneers are going to win, but my question is, of the young receivers, who's going to step up? Somebody's got to come alongside Antonio Brown and and start to play. Otherwise, the Buccaneers are going to be in trouble. So those are the things I'm looking for this week. As far as, you know, games, who knows? You know, you you really don't until Sunday when you find out who's actually playing. Right, it's true. All right, another 24 hours uh, to do your homework, Double B, for our best bets uh, tomorrow. So there you go. That's right. I'll be be geared up and ready. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be geared up and ready. There'll be another whole list of 50 players on our route. He's going to try to slide in a hockey game. Oh, yeah, there'll there'll be a Hockey game. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there'll be one there. Yeah. That's it. All right. Uh, appreciate you guys, of course, and appreciate everyone here at the Cosmopolitan, uh, the gracious staff. Uh, and again, get out here inside the sports book. It's going to be a great weekend, a fun weekend with all the big screens here inside the sports book, powered by our good friends here at William Hill. It is the great food of here at the Cosmopolitan, whether it's the grab and go variety on the second floor or any of the fantastic restaurants up on the third floor, all here for you at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas. And again, uh, Maroon 5, New Year's Eve. That's going to be great. Be safe. And we'll be right back out here doing it again tomorrow from 2 to 4 p.m. on New Year's Eve. And we look forward to the Las Vegas Bowl tonight. Another great Las Vegas weekend. Jay, appreciate you as always, my friend. Open invitation here, as you know. Well, I appreciate it. And I look forward to hanging out with you guys tonight. This will be fun. We'll have a good time. It's going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a good game. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Las Vegas Bowl tonight. All right. For Numchuck back in the studio, appreciate him. The G-Man, Gilby, dressed in his Wisconsin Wisconsin gear. gear. You got it. Go, Bucky. Appreciate it. 
Chips, G-Man, and everybody else. <laughs> if you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. Our best bets will be up there tomorrow. Have yourself a great night. We'll see you tomorrow here at the Cosmopolitan at 2.